Good morning. So my name is Andy. I'm the youth and family pastor here at The Vine. I am so happy to be here with you on the most auspicious of days, ugly Christmas sweater morning. Uh, So as you can see, I am uh, modeling some couture Star Wars. I tried to do princess Leia buns uh, and am extremely convinced that Carrie Fisher had extensions because... My, I have decently long hair, and it wrapped around once, and it, it looked like I had horns, and that was it. So it was really disappointing. I had great plans. Uh, so this morning, uh, again, in the auspiciousness of Christmas sweaters, I will be talking about peace, which is kind of fun for me uh, to have those two together. Uh, but we're going to be talking about peace in a, in a way that I have not always understood it. Uh, when I think about peace... I think about phrases like peace of mind or peace and quiet, uh, which in my 12 years of a parent, uh, I'm waiting for that, that peace and quiet. It's been a long, a long time. I think about sometimes a dove majestically floating through the air with an olive branch in its mouth. All of these images of peace Peace on earth, world peace, uh, the stereotypical beauty pageant answer, all of these associations that I have and maybe you have, uh, they, they fail to uh, fully explain the broadness and the richness in the biblical concept of peace. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And its meaning completely challenges my understanding or the stereotypes of my understanding of what peace means. As I think about these common phrases and then I hold it up against the biblical definition, I recognize that my understanding has fallen short. And that's actually kind of thrilling for me when I think about my deep need for peace. So shalom speaks to wholeness or completeness. Shalom talks about being without deficiency. Biblical peace deals with security, trust, safety, prosperity, and harmony in both physical and spiritual realms. Now, when I think about my slow-moving dove, and I think about security and safety and trust, completely different concepts. But... As I add all of these definitions together and I think about the biblical richness of peace, it makes me wonder if maybe peace is completely unattainable for me. I wonder in the scope of things like prosperity and harmony, an absence of strife, a depth of restoration, if I have no capacity to truly ever experience biblical peace. It might seem even more distant than 30 seconds ago before we learned all these additional terms. How can we experience something as deep as peace in the midst of great emotional pain or in the middle of loss? How can we experience the security of peace when we're in danger? It seems that these concepts are in opposition, and I'm trying to reconcile how to operate in biblical peace when my life doesn't necessarily reflect those truths? Is it something that we have the capacity to experience? And if so, 
I think we all want to know how to do that. So we're going to talk about three different aspects of shalom this morning. We're going to be talking about peace between us and God, peace with ourselves, and peace with those around us. The book of Isaiah was written in a time of great fear and disjointedness. If shalom refers to completeness and wholeness, then the nation of Israel was experiencing anything but. In fact, war and unequal representation in Israel had actually led to a split of the nation into Israel and Judah, a northern and a southern kingdom. And Isaiah was writing to the kingdom of Judah. And if you've read any part of Isaiah, there's some beautiful truths and promises and assurances of grace, but there is a lot of promises of impending destruction, war, and invasion. The first third of the book of Isaiah is called the Book of Tears or the Book of Sorrows because over and over, the prophet Isaiah is telling the nations of Judah and Israel about their imminent captivity. And yet... In chapter 9, there's this little snippet. We're going to read it together this morning. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. And if not, we'll toss it up there for you. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. And this is my favorite part. For a child is born to us. A son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen, exclamation mark. I love that. In the midst of great fear, of unspeakable unrest, Isaiah recorded a promise from God about a coming prince of peace. In order to understand the deeper meaning of shalom, we have to understand who This prince of peace is. We have to understand him as our source of peace. Isaiah was writing about our Messiah, the one who would restore completeness, wholeness, safety, trust, and harmony. Isaiah was writing about Jesus. 
Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. If we have faith in Jesus, if we believe that he is our wonderful counselor, if we believe that he is our mighty God, our everlasting father, and this morning, our prince of peace, if we believe that he came to restore our broken relationship with God, we have peace with God. And it is from that restoration that we can experience peace in ourselves and with those around us. Acknowledging that Jesus is the prince of peace is a really powerful concept. Because if you're the prince of something, you have dominion over it. You can send it out. You can gift it. It is yours to own. And yet Jesus, our prince of peace, invites us to share. Now we're going to look at peace with ourselves, which is kind of a funny concept. Uh, For me, it conjures up images of inner peace. Uh which I have sometimes and not other times. But we're going to be talking a little more uh, deeply about it, only because I didn't realize that in, in times in my life I've lacked this inner peace until I started writing this message. So I'm going to talk about a couple of ways inward peace can be lacking in our lives and, and ways that I've experienced them throughout the years. I believe that our expectations of ourselves And the expectations of others can feed into a lack of internal peace within us. I'm sure most, if not all of us, can relate to the feelings of frustration, disappointment, guilt, and maybe even shame that come when we do something that we know that we shouldn't have or we never wanted to do. Or when we feel like we failed somebody, let somebody down. We feel a fight within us sometimes, don't we? There's one side whose desire is to be patient, loving, and generous, and selfless. A side who desires to do the things that are expected of us. A side that always strives to be our best self. And then there's this other side. This side that, given the opportunity, will dive head first into the things that we know we shouldn't have anything to do with. There's this second side, fighting for a voice, fighting, dragging us into those habits, those addictions, those choices, those character flaws that we have purposed in our minds and in our hearts over and over and again not to associate with. And let's be honest, sometimes... I know at least in my life, that side wins. So when that side wins in me, I can slip into a depth of shame and frustration that causes me to be resentful of myself. I beat myself up. I withdraw from relationships. Maybe I walk deeper into the thing that tripped me up in the first place. There is no inward peace when you are in a downward spiral spiral of shame. Sometimes we lack peace within ourselves because we're so afraid of what someone would think if they saw the real 
us. We can become so consumed with presenting a certain image to the world that the disparity between who we are and who we want people to see us as grows out of control. We lack wholeness, shalom, when bits and pieces of ourselves are put out instead of the totality of who we are because of insecurity and fear. These things can drive us to comparison, which can put us back into that spiral of shame. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 says, But God is so rich in mercy. Just kind of want to pause there for a second. God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead um, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. I know sometimes I definitely want to take credit for it. I've done good things. Thus, Jesus' uniting with me was because I'm a good girl. I'm grateful, however, that I can't take credit for it. Because salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So thinking about shalom, thinking about wholeness and completeness, we are united with Christ. We are one with Christ. We exist in wholeness and completeness with Christ, regardless of the fact that we were dead because of our sins. When we're filled with feelings of self-doubt or failure, we can counter those feelings with the truth that we are united, complete, and whole with Christ. Our source of internal peace comes from the knowledge that we were dead because of our sins, but now they do not get the final word. Jesus does. You will struggle with sin and failure. I will struggle with sin and failure but we will stand as examples of God's grace and kindness, not as monuments to sin. When we are filled with feelings of insecurity, when shalom is absent because of fear of the opinions of others, we can return to the truth that we are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. Valuable beyond words. Masterpiece. Though I may not always feel like a masterpiece, I know that when God looks at me and when God looks at you, that's what he sees. He sees this precious child who he loves so much that he handcrafted each and every one of us, and then he gave us a purpose. Our thoughts are also incredibly formative when it comes to experiencing inward peace. Though Christ is ultimately our source, we can take an active role in this with what we give power to 
by being mindful of what we focus on. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I'm not advocating that we use positivity to trick ourselves into believing that we have peace. Because there is a real acknowledgement when things are painful. But I think what Paul is writing to the, to the church at Philippi is that we have the option to focus on the things that Jesus has done. It doesn't negate what we're experiencing, and it doesn't make those things go away. But our perspective can be extremely powerful. When we look at things as an opportunity, when we look at trials as something that through the power of Christ we can overcome, instead of looking at those things and knowing they're just going to tank us and that's the way it is, when we fix our thoughts on things that are pure and lovely, praiseworthy, our perspective gets lifted, even if our circumstances do not. The things that seek to steal our peace the things that seek to steal our ability to trust, our feelings of wholeness, can be driven out by the truth that God is not waiting to beat us down for every misstep that we take. But instead, he is holding us up as examples of his restoration and goodness. As we acknowledge all that he has done for us, we find perspective in his provision and his peace follows. So as we have peace with God, as we find peace with who God has made us to be, that peace then becomes an outflow to those around us. Uh, When our oldest daughter was two months old, we took her in to to her eight-week checkup. She had the very first big cold. So as a new parent, my kiddo had a cold, I wasn't handling it as well as maybe I could have, but I took her in. She was supposed to be getting her regularly scheduled immunizations, but instead she was given a breathing treatment and sent home. Her pediatrician said that the respiratory can sound a little funny after a breathing treatment was administered and to call her if anything sounded off. After about 45 minutes, sitting on the couch holding my two-month-old baby, she started gasping for air. Her little body was shaking, and though she wasn't turning colors, I was, understandably, freaking out. I instantly called the doctor, and she told us to come right back in. They gave our baby a chest x-ray, and the pediatrician came in and said, I've called ahead. You're being admitted to the hospital. I don't know what's going on with your daughter, but I didn't like what I saw on the x-ray. We were greeted by a team of respiratory therapists. People were drawing blood. There was doctors, nurses, x-ray techs. And it was about two hours 
of people poking and prodding and hooking our eight-week-old baby up to different monitors. As the chaos was starting to clear, a nurse grabbed me on her way out of the room and told me, this sounds to me like whooping cough. If it is, your baby probably contracted it from you or your husband, and she's most likely going to die. Later, as I sat up with my two-month-old baby at three in the morning, staring at all the monitors on her chest and feet, a CNA named Cindy came in to check on us. Jeremy had finally fallen asleep after a very, very long day. And she asked me, when was the last time you've had anything to eat? I hadn't noticed until that moment, but it had been at about 7 in the morning the previous day. She said, I'm sending you out for a sandwich, to which I said, that is not going to happen. So Cindy placed her hand on my shoulder, and she said, I will stay here with my hand on your baby until you get back. But to be the best mom that you can be in this moment, you need to stay healthy as well. Cindy will forever remain one of my favorite people. Cindy was a peacemaker. She saw a lack of shalom in my life. She noticed a physical need. She saw an emotional need. And she met those needs. Cindy ushered in peace into a situation that completely lacked any semblance of such a concept. She is a beautiful person, forever ingrained on my heart, because she had the capacity to do what other people didn't. She saw me. She saw parents who were afraid for the life of their child and she took action. When we have peace with God and we experience peace with ourselves, our desire is to bring that peace to others. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that God, the God of Israel, reigns. Cindy had beautiful feet in my life. Ephesians 4, 2 through 4 says, Always be humble. Oh, sorry. I have tiny ears. One moment, please. Thank you. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. We are called to bind ourselves together with peace and to extend that peace to those who are lacking it. As followers of Jesus, we are peacemakers. We are bringers of shalom. We are commissioned as ambassadors of God to share about his love and restoration for all. Sometimes we do this by feeding those who are hungry. 
Sometimes we do this by offering safety and a voice to those who are being victimized or marginalized. Sometimes we allow people to see our own struggles so that we can walk through them as they also reject the spiral of shame. And sometimes we send somebody out to eat a sandwich. We are messengers who bring good news, the good news of peace and salvation. So for those of you who have met our daughter May, you know that she is just fine. In fact, she was up here doing the announcement this morning. She was actually diagnosed with a condition called Laringa Malaysia because she was a few weeks early. Her larynx did not have the chance to fully form, and so it was flapping open as her stomach was digesting her food. It caused the gasping sounds that she made, but after a year of treatment, her condition resolved herself resolved itself, and she's grown into the incredible 12-year-old that we have the intense privilege of parenting. When we received her diagnosis, it was the greatest moment of my life. When we found out that she had a treatable condition, there was a relief like I have never felt before. And though nothing could ever top the gratitude that I had in that moment— When I think back about that time in our life, I remember Cindy. And I think warmly about the person who brought peace when we were too scared to have any. Shalom is an initiative of God. When we allow his salvation and restoration to work in our lives, we become people who know and share peace. And just as we are grateful for the peace we have with God, There are others who are longing to know that God is not mad at them. There are people in our lives who are hungry, both physically and for the truth that they were created with a purpose. As peacemakers, we can share what it's like to be reconciled before God. We can share what it feels like to accept and love who God created us to be, to acknowledge that we are a masterpiece, perfectly formed and given a purpose on this earth. We can share what it's like to experience peace and be peacemakers in the lives of those around us. Leading up to Christmas, there are so many opportunities to be peacemakers in our community. The holidays are a time when wholeness matters. The holidays are a time when a lack of wholeness is deeply felt. As we spend time inviting God's peace to permeate each and every corner of our own lives this week, may we also spend time inviting God's Spirit to speak to each and every one of us about how to bring that peace to our family, our friends, and our neighbors. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the concept of shalom. Thank you that it goes far beyond our understanding Even with a working definition, God, you are so much more than we can comprehend. I pray as we go from this place that you would give us eyes to see where shalom is fractured. In ourselves, in those around us, in our communities, God. Help us be 
peacemakers. Help us see a need that is broken or missing and seek through your guidance and your power and your peace and provision to be the one who meets that need. God, I thank you for each and every masterpiece that is in this room and is in Vine Kids right now. Will you show them your love in a deep and meaningful way this week? In Jesus' name, amen.